Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And we are truly both excited today. I got all gussied up. You know, Kev wore his extra good, no judges needed sweatshirt today. And it, we, got, we got a guest that's truly been in the game a long time. He's done some incredible things, and we can't wait to tell you all about him and have him introduce himself. But before we do, this is not an episode of the JJT Podcast without a brief shout-out to sponsors of the show, your friends and ours, No Judges Needed, your one-stop shop for all of your grappling apparel needs. I'm talking rash guards, fight shorts, geese, modeled by a very familiar face if the graphic comes up right on the screen. Obviously, it's only important if you can tell people outside of the gym that you train. So we got you hooked up with some nice casual wear, uh, t-shirts for when it gets warm out, and some hoodies, still a little cold out. All this ain't going to come cheap, but we're here to help you out there too. Use the promo code JJT at checkout to knock off 20% off all purchases. It's a great deal. And this is a company that's really doing a lot to give back to the community. So once again, that is www.nojudgesneeded.com, promo code JJT for 20% off. Jiu-Jitsu-owned and operated company. Jiu-Jitsu-owned and operated company. They will beat your ass if you don't buy from them. <laughs> now, if you're wondering why I'm wearing my, my one set of nice clothes today, it's because this guest has truly been uh, a hero to many of us, me specifically, since I was a kid. We welcome to the show one of the most passionate and longest working advocates of BJJ in popular culture, uh, co-starring in the 1999 cult classic Boondock Saints and its sequel, this black belt is now looking to further promote martial arts with his upcoming MMA-centered film, Born a Champion. Please join us in welcoming actor, author, and martial artist extraordinaire, Mr. Sean Patrick Flannery. Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. How are you doing? Brother, after that introduction, I feel like I need to... Oh! <laughs> he's, he's good at that, man. Get, intro, get, get, man. Get, Man, he butters everybody up, man. I'm like a four stripe, I'm, dude. I'm a four stripe black belt in uh, intros. You know, my jujitsu sucks, but man. Leading people in—that's what I'm good at. So, like, how how are you doing? How'd you wake? How did Sean Patrick Flannery? How did SPF wake up today? You know, how's he feeling? Uh, well, let me tell you where I am right now. First of all, I am sequestered. I'm on a 14 day quarantine uh, because I had to leave, and I'm in a different country. So I haven't left this fucking apartment for four days now. Uh, but I woke up good, man. Uh, I, I can give you a tour around here. I brought like a pull-up bar, an ab wheel. I got a jump rope. I got a little mat. I got. Uh, I, I put two chairs together so I could do my dips. I could do a little workout actually, in here. I was thinking like if you could do the rest of this interview just with a plank, like planking, that'd be really great. You know, 100%. <laughs> Where, where are you at? What, what what country are you? I'm in Toronto. Toronto. Oh yeah, it's yeah, Canada. It's Canada. Yeah, they're not messing so, around. Yeah. So I'm on yeah, a 14 uh, day quarantine. Can't leave. It's like uh, I got to be hermetically sealed to take the garbage out. <laughs> we have a couple yeah. of fighters so clearly, that are in uh, Dubai right now. One of my my head coach Matt Arroyo and Matt Favola, one of our guys, USC fighter. They're in Dubai right now for the uh, they're with the fight island. They're going to fight on the undercard of the. Um, Conor McGregor Poirier fight, so they're doing. Oh, that's the cool, thing. man. The question. It's awesome because they were super excited about going to Dubai, and then they realized, oh, wait a minute, we have to be sequestered for two weeks while we're there. So, yeah, are are, are they uh, by by themselves or are they together? 
No, so there's there's four of them that went out there. Billy Quarantello, Matt Favola, Matt Arroyo, and then the other striking coach, Dan Rawlings. So I think I think they gave them four rooms as far as I'm concerned, but I think they're allowing them like they, it's, it's not quite that bad. They have the fighters out there in a particular space, so they give them their own little area to kind of coexist in, but they are definitely not allowed to go out into the general public. Like they get but, but at least you can put mats down and you can train. Yeah, they have they have a little space that they get to work out and cut weight because they send them out two weeks early. It's kind of weird. I always think it's weird the way they do it because they send them out when they go to Dubai. They send them out two weeks early to get them acclimated to the time change. And then they make them fight at 4 o'clock in the morning because they want to have it at prime time. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then the whole time they're out there, they're not allowed to do anything cool because you're in Dubai. You're like, well, sweet, at least I'm in Dubai. I'll go enjoy Dubai. But you can't even leave the freaking hotel while you're they've there. Built yeah. this, they've built yeah. this absolutely insane setup over there to capitalize on all of the fights that are happening. And the fighters can't enjoy any can't of it. And it's got to yeah, suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I get it. I've been passing my couch's guard for three days now. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's I, awesome. I I think it would be appropriate to bring up uh, Jordan Peitzman, a uh, uh, Jordan Jitsu of Subspectrum. Uh, he made waves when he was doing a lot of techniques on like one of his uh, kitchen chairs. Like he, he, he threw he threw a gi on the back of his kitchen chair and he just started doing arm drags. Did on he his, like stripe up the chair or yeah. something like that? Did he put a belt on the chair? Oh, yeah. and put a couple yeah. stripes on it or something? I thought that he was promoted awesome. the chair. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll heal the fuck out of a dinner table. No shit, man. No shit. <laughs> Good way to get. Your X card. I, I know we, we all want to hear more about you know the, the project that you got coming up, but it with Poirier McGregor 2 being such a big thing, I kind of gotta ask, do you have any thoughts on how that match is gonna go down? Or I, I think Cotter wins. Um, you know, look, yeah. I, I'm I'm not a big proponent of when somebody says absolutely this is gonna happen because it's a fight. Anything can happen. But I think nine out of ten times Connor wins that. It's not to say that it's not gonna be Dustin's day, but uh I think they're, in my estimation, I've certainly never rolled with either one, but I would guess that they're probably fairly equivalent on the ground, but I don't think they're close in striking. I think uh, I think Connor's got a guided missile for a, a left, and I, I think in the striking department he's got a significant advantage. That's my take on it. Um, I, I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, Dustin's a black belt and Connor's only – I think he's a brown belt by now – but yeah. uh, I'd bet you to say they're pretty close on the ground. Um, and uh, I, I think and, Connor wins that. In an, in, in an MMA context, it's a different, it's a different yeah, world. Yeah, when you're exactly. In exactly. An MMA. In, in MMA, I think they're probably pretty equivalent. And if I'm being honest, in an MMA context, I would probably even, if there one had to have the edge, I'd probably give it to Connor. Yeah, I believe so too. I, I Everything you said – is exactly my views on, and, and you, you look at it like he beat him once very easily. What's to say he's not going to do it again? You could talk about time off. You could talk about all these things. Connor's special. He's proven it time and time again that those outside factors just do not bother him. He's going to come in. He's going to start but he's going to start Poirier. They're probably going to have him fight the winner of the Khabib uh, Oliveira fight. If he wins that, I guarantee you that they will figure out a way to get Khabib. They already have Dana White talking to Khabib right now. They will figure out. There's already rumors floating around. um, Every day Dana gets on Instagram and he's like, I'm going to try this hypnosis technique to get Khabib to fight. There's already rumors floating around that he's going to take, Khabib's going to take over for, for Poirier on Fight Island in two weeks. I don't think that's the case. But 100%, they will throw 
all the money and all the whiskey at Ireland at uh, at uh, at Khabib to get him to fight, and he'll probably end up taking it. I don't care how bad you resolve. I, I, I think you're probably fight. right. Yeah. And obviously, right. the uh, obviously, if there is a a uh, a McGregor uh, Nurmagomedov rematch, you know, who's to say the winner of that doesn't get a crack at Sean Patrick Flannery? You know, like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey brother, you know, you know, you know what's really really stupid? I'd fucking do it. I mean, I, 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 who, who wouldn't? You know what I mean? I'd Conor McGregor kick, but I'd fucking do it. I would let Conor McGregor hit me with a stick for five rounds for fucking $20 million. Fuck yes, of course I would. I mean, I'd get fucked up, yeah. but I'd do it. You spend $5 million on reconstruction, that gives you $15 million to live a happy life. Yeah, <laughs> the therapy's only going to be like a hundred grand over the course of your life, you know? like the- <laughs> Maybe I got a limp. Who cares? I I, yeah. I I can afford a gold cane now. <laughs> now, now, Sean, you, you mentioned earlier that you know you you hadn't rolled with you know either gentleman in this bout, but you know you've been a, a well known uh, black belt in the public eye for a, a long time now. Have you had any you know uh, experience rolling with like current or past roster UFC guys or Bellator guys? Like, have you found your way into mixing it up with them in the on the practice mats? Yeah, I mean, it's impossible not to. I mean, Jesus, back in as early as, man, back in the early 2000s, uh, down at like R1, I trained with Frank Trigg. You know, that's that's way back in the day. Rodrigo Gracie, just about every one of the Gracies. Uh, I mean, Uriah Faber would come into my academy. Uh, d- disgusting chin strap guillotine, by the way. Um yeah, I mean, of course, it's it's impossible to go through this for twenty something years and not, you know what I mean? And and like I say, I, I roll with absolutely anybody, and I don't I don't say that to be a badass and act like I beat anybody. It's just that I I, I don't think I've ever turned down a roll in my life. Um, it's just what you do. You clap hands and you go, and you know, it, it's that's part of it. That's the beautiful thing about this martial art. It's uh, and there's such a a trusting nature. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy to think that somebody like uh, you know, somebody like like Uriah would roll with just anybody too. Knowing man, he's a professional. What if he gets injured? Not that somebody would hurt him, but what if what if what if you roll with the dude and he's a spaz and he just accidentally elbows Uriah and opens you up? Man, these guys, it's such a tight, small community. There's such a a trust between practitioners. You know, anybody knows that if you've been on the mat that long, you know, there's just a bond that's unbreakable. So, yeah, man, I've crossed paths with, with a ton of people, man. It's uh, uh, Max Holloway, uh, Jeff Curran. Uh, I, I mean, you know, the list goes on. I, I, I've, I've never come across a bad guy on the mat either. You know what I mean? You clap hands and having said that. You know, I'm talking about MMA fighters. I've never met somebody they that make it like, to that level. You gotta have a yeah. They make it to that level. They've all been wonderful people. They've all trained really well. I've never had anybody spaz on me and try and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fuck this boondock saint up." You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> but, but conversely, conversely, it's not like I've been like, "I'm gonna be the actor to to finish Uriah." You know what I mean? It's it's a. I mean, we're both part parties are going really fucking hard, but respectful as fuck. And you know what I mean? It's it's a uh, I've I've never come across a bad pro. I really haven't, man. Do you think that there you've like 
had roles with people that maybe aren't aware of how long you've been in the game that uh, they might have been surprised, like, oh, crap, this Boondock Saints guy is blowing through my guard. Yeah, I mean, but, but you know, the beautiful thing about it, I, I would rather people find out after the fact, you know what I mean? Because there's two types of people. There's the type of person that's going to be like, oh, you, you know, you, you, you probably got to go easy because he probably got his back black belt from doing all privates. And then you have the motherfucker that's like, fuck that guy. I'm going to trash that motherfucker. How dare he? You know what? You think you fucking got a black? Fuck you. You know, that, that kind of person. But so I'd rather them go. And then two months later, they're like, dude, you know, that one guy that that black belt, he, he, he doesn't he remind you of such and such. And then you realize it's him. Then they're like, but then it's too late. You've already, you know, had your head in each other's crotch getting triangles. So it does, nothing else matters. You know what I mean? It's uh, I'd rather it happen like that. Hang on real quick. The moment you started talking about getting your promoted through only private lessons, it's crazy. Ashton Kutcher jumped in my DMs. We might need to cut that out. We might need to cut that out. Tell me a little bit about you. Let's talk for a second about you, about your background. I'm just curious about this because I don't really know as much of the background information as, as, as maybe I should have because I never do research because I'm horrible. But so that's what tell, this is for, man. That's what this is for. Tell us about how you, first of all, how you got started, where, where you started finding out about jujitsu when you started, and, and the whole Sean Patrick Flannery jujitsu journey. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't really have a unique story. I'm sure this is going to sound incredibly familiar to everybody. But I started martial arts when I was nine, uh, went through a couple of McDojos, I, I, I trained in every martial art coming up through the ranks from Taekwondo, Gojiru, Shotokan. I was uh, and I obviously saw a UFC one uh, was it November 23rd of 93 blew my mind. And, you know, I think every martial artist out there went, uh, is this real? I mean, because to, to us, it looked like, I don't know, this dude, Nagi, kind of, it looked like he almost fell on the other guy, and they both hit the mat, and then he kind of, like, wrapped his head around his head, neck, and the guy wanted to quit. What the fuck was that? It looked like made-up horse shit. <clears throat> but, you know, you're curious, but it was before the internet. And so as much as I wanted to train this jiu-jitsu, that was before it was even called Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, there was no place to train it. And then one day, you know, Hicks and Gracie had an academy on Pico Boulevard in L.A., and he closed it down, and he rented space at a place called Jerry Banks in the Pacific Palisades as he was building out his Barrington Academy. And this was probably 99. Yeah, probably 99. And uh, this guy comes in, and he starts putting mats down on the hardwood floor. And I looked at the patch on the gi, and it said R-I-C-K-S-O-N, and then space, and then Gracie. I didn't know who the fuck this Rickson dude was, but I knew the Gracie name. And I said, brother, are, are you guys uh, affiliated with Hoist Gracie? And he goes, yeah, he's my brother. I was like, what? <laughs> You're brothers to the great Hoist? Nice. What? Yeah, you know, I had no idea. Basically, I was asking Greg, uh, I was asking Michael Jordan, do you know the great Greg Jordan? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> You know, and uh, and he goes, yeah, you know, he's my brother. I said, man, I've always wanted to train this since I saw it back in 93. And he go, he went to the back, came out, and he threw me a gig. He goes, put the gig, man, tonight you're going to train. I said, I, I, I've never I've never done jiu-jitsu. Is that okay? I mean, a brand new. He's like, yeah, it's no problem, man, my friend, come on. So we did, like, a couple of movements, a little warm-up. Uh, oddly enough, in my first class, like Henry Akins was a purple belt. You guys familiar with Henry Akins? 
the name sounds Vaguely, familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he was about a purple belt, and his little brother was a blue belt, Matt Akins. And uh, Lemon, uh, Luis Redia was an assistant teacher. Hickson was on the map. And he goes, okay, now we're going to do some spa. Pick uh, some same size, same shape. So I picked Matt Akins, 135 pounds soaking wet. I've always been right around 170 my whole adult life. And I picked him not to be a bully, but I was doing triathlons at the time. I've competed in all the sports coming up through the ranks. And I thought, I knew the belt system went white, blue, purple, brown, black. And this motherfucker was the first colored belt you get. But I've heard so many magical stories about this martial art. I thought, if this tiny little motherfucker can stalemate with me, it'll blow my mind and I'll believe in this martial art. Well, everybody knows how that shit ended. We clapped hands and choking me, shoulder locking, wrist locking, knee bar and banana split taking my back. And I, the clouds opened up. And the truth was exposed. And there's two types of people in the world. This type of person that's going to say, yeah, you know what? On the street, I would have groin shot, elbowed, I would have eye gouged. And then there's a type of person that says, no, if that motherfucker caught me in an alley and wanted every possession I owned, he'd have fucking left with me. What do I need to exchange with you to get that power over another mortal? And I, that night, I signed up for two classes a week, and that lasted two fucking days. And I turned it into unlimited. And I pretty much camped out at Hickson's Academy for the next handful of years until he left and went back to Brazil. Um, and, and that was it. That's how I got into it. I mean, I got into it the same way everybody does. They get their fucking ass kicked by a skinny person that's one of the beginning belts. And I'll tell you, coming up through the ranks in Taekwondo, if you put a yellow belt against a University of Texas strong safety that's never done wrestling, never done jujitsu, never thrown a punch in his life, you're going to get your fucking ass kicked. A yellow belt in Taekwondo, that's the first belt you get. You put him against a same size blue belt in jujitsu, he's going to get his arm broke. And that blew my mind. It's true. I say a lot. I have Sorry, a lot of to sleep. But you're, you're good, baby. You talk anyway, anyway, that's it's your hour, man. <laughs> that, 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 that's how I got into it, man. Trial by fire. And yeah. I, I was in the latter category. I didn't want to run from it. I didn't want to say, well, I've spent all these years learning something else. I got to find a way to make what I know work. I was like, abandoned fucking shit. Ah, ah. <laughs> change course, change course. And I started as a white belt, man. I that's did awesome, every man. tournament, every corner. I did, uh, 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 Klebers, uh, Kofa Pacifica from, uh, you know, every, I did the, the Pan Ams. I did the U S nationals, the American nationals. I just, I was addicted. I was completely inundated and addicted. What, what some, year was that about, about that time? Shit, man. Uh, probably the first Copa 2000. Wow, man. You go way back. Wow. So you started training with, yeah. with Hickson probably 98, 99, somewhere around there. I want to say it was 99. You'd have to do a Google search of when yeah. he opened that Barrington. Yeah. No, for because sure, for sure. It, it, it's right when he closed the Pico Academy. Right. So I never trained at Pico, but I trained at that uh, Palace. It might be late 98, probably 99, though. And oddly enough, because I didn't plan it and plan on starting, I don't. I never wrote that date down. Right. Like, it happened. I was like, fuck, that key. Yeah. Shit. And the next thing I know... I've been training six months and I was like, what the, I remember, I remember when nine 11 happened and obviously that was horrible and everything shut down. 
And right around that same time is when it, uh, the dates are so confusing, but something uh, I always associate that with when we shut down for a couple of weeks because he left the Pico and he was finalizing, finishing the Barrington Academy. And I was probably, you know, right at blue belt right about then. Um, but ever since then, like I can tell you the, 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 the date I got my blue and my purple and my brown and my black and all that, but I wish I'd kept a logbook from the day that I walked into that Academy in the Palisades, man. Cause it, 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 it is, it's, it's one of those dates that changes your life, man. So obviously you've trained for a while. You've had different instructors. You've moved from place to places. I've been Hickson's not around here. Go back to Brazil. Tell us a little bit about what it was like just to be around Hickson in those days, because you know, people talk about him as this like sage warrior, this samurai, uh, you know, master that just has this ability with with his with his own concentration. We had uh, we had Kevin Casey on, and he talked right. about how he trained the birds in his backyard to right. like land on his hand and do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, the Zen master. Tell tell us a little bit about what it was like just being. Obviously, in those days, you had no understanding of the greater scenes but now as you progress through the ranks you be, and you become a black belt in recollection tell us a little bit about what some of the things that you felt like made him so great uh well that's that's a long conversation but i'll tell you a, a, a brief little synopsis all that shit you hear about hickson it's true and and i'm not i'm not a fanboy i'm not a he's my instructor so he's infallible i like that at all i come from a very objective place um I saw Flavio Leopoldo win the Worlds and come to the Academy. And I was sitting on the wall with Henry. We're all ringing wet. And Fabio is, has his head in his hands, and, and he, he, he can't process why this guy just destroyed him. And he just won the Worlds, won the gold medal at the Worlds, and he just got annihilated. And we all watched it happen. And... I'm sure he can tell you the same thing. It's like this, this guy was on a different level. And even to this day, he has a very, very unique and I think incredibly rare style. Like there are some fundamental movements that uh, are simply lost. You know, a lot of the what they call OG position, some of the things you learn on day one, like the scissor sweep. I agree. If you don't learn it correctly, then you're going to discard it. You're going to think it's garbage. The up and over, the hip bump sweep. If you don't learn it correctly and it doesn't work, you're going to discard it. The, for, for example, like a big one is the way that he sits inside the closed guard is different than any other academy I've been to. I mean, that guy just has something. He doesn't have a great command of the English language, even after having been here this long. And I think one of, one of, the, one of the things with training with him back then is, I mean, I remember getting coached, for example, at tournaments, and he would say, Sure, make for passing, make for passing. Like, make for passing. It's like, <laughs> could you give me some specifics? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a white belt. I, I'm, I'm trying to pass. Right. I don't know what. I make for it. frame, escapey. Make for frame, escapey. Make, make for framing and escapey. Right. You know, make, where should I put the frame? Um, but it, it, because it was like that, it forced you to stand back and really analyze what you're seeing and try and extrapolate what he can't articulate. And one thing I think, if you have an instructor that has a wonderful command of the English language, you never question whether he's leaving anything out. You don't teach yourself how to self-teach. 
for example. With Hickson, I knew there was some things that he couldn't articulate. So it forces you to really dive into the minutiae and pull things out. Like, for example, the way that he sits in the closed guard, going back to that, he would do it, but he never really could tell you. It simply looked like he's sitting there making the same grips until you look and you feel and you go, okay, this is what he's doing. And it's very, very, very different. I mean, the guy, the guy is special and he has a, a probably a more different style than just about any academy I've been to. Did it, did it take you, uh, obviously, obviously you're a black belt now. I mean, you've been training for quite some time. Did it take you, uh, an evolution of your own game to get to the point where you realized how much different and how much special Hickson was? Yeah. Like I said, when I first started training there, I didn't even know who he was. I right. thought, I, 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 I thought he was partnered with some guy named Gracie. I thought there was a guy named Rickson. Then right. I, then I realized, Oh, his name is Hickson. You just mispronounced you, you, you HDR. I'm like, okay, Hickson, but he still partners with one of the Gracies. When's a Gracie yeah. guy come in? Then I realized he is a Gracie. Then I realized he is, it's his brother. Then I realized he's the fucking champion of the family. Yeah, right. And he's like so, the best, of the, yeah, the greatest of all time. You, like, rolled, up to, you so, rolled up to Hickson's gym thinking you were getting like the Z team of the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> but I, hey, man, I'm not kidding. And, but you know, it's, it's kind of the same way that I, I hope people roll with me. I'd rather them roll with me and try and fuck me up before going, oh, maybe he's a delicate actor. I got to take it easy. Or before going, I'm going to fuck that actor up. You know, they just go clap hands and, you know, you go. It's, I, uh, I, I think it was good for me to not know that he was, you know, the dude, the dude that did pride one, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, or before pride, you know, when he did, we did, it was just called pride. It was, uh, my, real good. My first school I ever went to was this place called Gracie sports in Connecticut when I was living there. And the guy, the main guy there is this guy named Marcio Stambowski. He's like a, a tree, a Brazilian tree that immigrated here. He's like seven feet tall, massive hands. And I thought he was just a really big dude that was nice to me. Like he seemed like a jovial guy. Oh, it's so good. My, my name is Marcio Stambowski. He was very nice to everybody. And then when I was there for long enough, I realized, like I heard stories. Oh, this guy was one of the big innovators of the triangle. And he just doesn't talk yeah. about it. And it's just like, oh, crap. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I, real, real yeah, quick, yeah, I, just, I wanted to shift a little bit towards acting because this is something I think you're uniquely qualified to give your opinion on. Now, you started like late 90s, early aughts, really getting into jujitsu, immediately fell in love. It It's only really recently that films in Hollywood have started to take a more realistic approach towards, you know, martial arts and combat. You know, there's there's a lot more emphasis on you know, things that work in real life, they're incorporating a lot more MMA, jiu-jitsu, judo into any, like John Wick being the, the biggest example. How did it feel as a guy on the inside who was, you know, really deep in jiu-jitsu to still see Hollywood kind of like do combat in the way that Hollywood thought it was supposed to be done instead of the way you knew how it was done? I Look, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a professional. You know, I'm an actor, but, but I respect... I respect the stunt teams. They come and they coordinate and, you know, you're on the day and, you know, you, you're, you're being taught choreography by a dude that did a three day seminar. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm a big realist guy. It's, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't lead with, Hey, I'm a black belt. 
you know, if, if people find out, that's cool. But I, I don't, nobody knows on a set, you know, but I mean, I, I, I like authenticity. That's what I like. I, I, I mean, I think, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is amazing. I think, I think in, in the fantasy world, that's beautiful. I'd love for everybody to do double spinning hook kicks. That's cool as shit. I spent a long time, you know, doing beautiful crescent kicks for points. You know, it's uh, but sooner or later you realize what works and what doesn't work. And you kind of your whole game goes down to a handful of things that are repeatable and executable against another train partner's will. And uh, but there's a big difference between, you know, what looks good and what has real world application. Is that part of what led you to 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 start with the film you're producing right now to 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 start to bring some reality into what the reality of what fighting is like versus what the the fantasy of what fighting is like? You know, not really. I mean, I had a story that I wanted to tell. You know, and, and this the, the 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 script that I wrote is it's honestly my love letter to jujitsu and all the things that I find wonderful and important about my specific life. I didn't really, I don't really care how somebody else would have done the film. Uh, and maybe, you know, it, it, it's, it's an age old adage in Hollywood to, you know, you could take the, the Bible story and a producer can say, I love it, but can they be in Hawaii and in bikinis? You know, you're like, uh, it doesn't just doesn't work. So, you know, I, 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 I was, I was pretty, adamant about keeping it real, old school, grinding, violent jujitsu, the, the kind that's, that couldn't be less cinematic. I mean, there's not a Baron Bolo in there to save your life. It's the way jujitsu used to look. It's ugly. Like when I watched UFC one, it looks like, I don't know, it looks like the guy just grabbed him and they both fell to the ground. And then his arms went, I guess they were close to the neck and the guy tapped. It's not, you know, spinning back fists and it's uh flying triangles. Yeah. That that was the story that I wanted to tell and what it did for my life. So I really didn't, I wasn't trying to make a point against, you know, blood sport or any of the other, you know, heavy leg films. Okay. Now I need to stop you right there. I could get to freaking coral belt. I will still love blood sport. I can't (laughs) unlove that movie. I don't care how much I, I don't care how much about it. I realize is complete gobbledygook. It's it is. Yeah, no, I'm never. There's, yeah, there's a jujitsu guy. There's a jujitsu. Remember the little monkey guy? Then, then oh the god. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> but me too, brother. Me too. I mean, yeah. at my core, I'm a fan. I love all that shit. I still love Bruce Lee films, man. I, I, there's nothing against it, but my my heart is in this martial art, and it's the way I originally learned it where blunt force trauma is taken into consideration in every position. And especially now in 2021, that's becoming more and more rare. So it, it is my homage to that old school jujitsu that I fell in love with, man. Well, I watched, I mean, I've seen some of the clips from, from the trailer you sent over and it's, I mean, it's amazing. Like the, the, as someone that understands and recognizes the beauty of the art of jiu-jitsu not only did you did you make it recognizable for those that know what's going on it seems to me that you did a pretty good job of making something that may be slightly mundane seem interesting and exciting 
were there any tricks that you used to try to make something as boring as like a boring old guard pull or, or something that, you know, passing a guard and holding a submission position to make it seem more entertaining to like the layman's out there that are coming to see an entertaining film to be entertained by martial arts? You know, I mean, in, in essence, no, but I, I find that, I find that old type of martial art incredibly engaging. And I haven't found anybody yet that, that didn't understand what was happening and find it rather dynamic, you know, but there is, there is nothing, there's no flying plata, There's no barambolo. There's no single leg X to, you know, in, inverted, uh, Connie Basami bottom mm -hmm. entry. There's no, you know, it, it's, a uh, it's, a uh, and it's crazy because, I know all that stuff, but where my heart is, and this is a period piece, this takes place in the early nineties. So I would be remiss if I put in any, you know, worm guard with double lapel wraps on the ankle and putting it up my butthole and out my mouth. And no, no hold in. He looks like, like old school jujitsu. It, 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 it is. It is. Now, and I hope I executed it to the love of all the pra practitioners out there. When you were design like building this film in your mind, was that part of it? The, the fact that it this is a period piece was that from inception, or was that something you realized as you were writing it that this needs to be of its time and not incorporate all the new flashy stuff and all the the developments that jujitsu has had in since the nineties? If that makes any sense. Well, the truth be told, I wrote this in two thousand seven. So wow. when I wrote it. When I wrote it, I was still a brown belt. I didn't get my black belt till 08, May 4th of 08. So I wrote this in 07 as a brown belt. And I wrote it based on the way that I came up. I mean, when I, when I came up, there were dojo challenges all the time. You know, you know, guys would come in and they're like, yeah, I heard a lot of shit about this. I mean, I just want to see if it's real. You know, it's uh, and, and there were these fights. It was in Shake when Sheikh Tanhoon started ADCC. He started Abu Dhabi Combat Club, you know, back in in, in uh, uh, Dubai. It's like, and now it's required learning. So this is uh, these 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 fights really happened, and this is the way jujitsu was back in those wild wild west days when, you know, there was a handful of academies in LA. I remember when I started training. I think there was the Gracie Academy, and it was only in Torrance. There was Hickson's, and I think Jean-Jacques had a place. And that's it. And you had to know somebody that knew somebody to find them. Those, they weren't the yellow pages, man. These Brazilians had no idea how to advertise. Their whole accounting system was, here, give me the money. Yeah. Okay, let's train. <laughs> They're like, well, how, how are your books doing? Oh, uh, yeah, we're okay. Yeah, I could I pay, pay the rent this month. <laughs> yeah. That's and funny. so that's that's the story that I told because I told it in 2007. You know, the so, leg revolution hadn't really happened. Nobody no nobody knew what a barambola was. Everybody just thought it was the way you delaheva to the back before they even, renamed it. Even the idea, the concept of a competitive jujitsu jiu atmosphere was pretty foreign. I had we had uh, I spoke to Rob Kahn, who's my head instructor. I talked. I brought this up last week when we were talking to my last guest. We we're talking about the idea of his first competition he went to go compete in, and somebody passed his guard and kind of held him there and didn't go over the submission and won on points. And he was like, "I don't 
understand this. It was just foreign to me. Like, I don't understand how this person isn't fighting for the submission because everything up until that point, there wasn't really the understanding of like a structured scoring situation until, you know, 96, 98, somewhere around there when it became official. And then it didn't really catch on very much until the, in the smaller academies until later, much later. So academies back in those days were all about the martial art aspect of jujitsu, hunting for submissions, attacking, attacking, attacking. And even more than that, when you talk about the practitioners, like there was a very brutal aspect to the sport back then. You had a lot of guys that were didn't come to the gym because they wanted to do jujitsu. They came to the gym because they were guys from other martial arts that wanted to come to the gym to show you that jujitsu wasn't shit and their Kung Fu or their karate was better than what you had to offer. It happened more often than not, man. Yeah. And cra crazily enough, even me as an actor, and I'm thinking, I got a fucking day job, man. Right. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't need to be, I don't need to be the first motherfucker to lose the hundred thousand dollar challenge. Like, what right. the fuck? <laughs> You know, it was crazy, man. But uh, I'm very, you know, I, I tell my students now, you know, I remember Henry. Henry used to not let me out of the mound unless it was a submission. And I'm not kidding. I, I, I don't say this to be macho because it's going to make me sound like a pussy. But I left that academy plenty of times with red mist in my eyes because as a white belt, maybe Henry's a purple. And you're suffocating. You can't get a breath of fresh air. You just want out, but they won't let you out. And Henry's, you know, you're 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 thinking, I'm paying an inordinate amount of money per month month for this, and you won't even let me out when I ask. He's like, Yeah, there's no submission there. I'm not letting. And I, I get up plenty of times going, Flanner, you're right. Yeah, no, no, I'm. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, I'm good man. You know, but really, you're not fucking good. And you want it. I'm not kidding. There were plenty of times where if I had the ability to beat the fuck out of Henry, I would have. Never had the ability. But as a white belt, you're like, how the fuck can you do that to me when I'm asking for you? To... Right now, I'm so glad that I went through that. I, I owe him a gratitude that he wouldn't let me out of the mouth when I asked for it. Because it pushed me through that hell and out the other side. And more importantly than being able to escape is like I tell, especially my kids class, it's being unbreakable on the bottom, having the ability to never get submitted and be down there indefinitely and keep your training partner off base and off balance so they can't attack and you're fine. You're fine. And then you can exit under the circumstances of your choosing and at the time of your choosing. But I never would have got there unless the upper belts like that wouldn't have simply punished me in a time when, you know, the Brazilians knew nothing about like the litigious nature of LA that they, they were incapable of understanding, man, we're going to get lawsuits if we don't let this guy out. For <laughs> that. But none of us, none of us would have sued the Academy. But right now, if you did that to some of the students that are like doctors, lawyers, they'd be like, fuck you, dude, you're going to have a lawsuit by daylight. Yeah, that's what when I, I always think back to some about. of the That's what I well, always when talk I think about back of it. I'm so days, grateful man. that I went through that shit. So grateful. I, I there was no, hardly a day that I didn't leave there with gee burn all over my Irish white motherfucking face. <laughs> and I, I mean, be like it, it, it looked like I got in a huge fucking fight. But back then, you're you're leaning on faces when you're in the mouth. Like there was no such like now. IBJJ, you can't touch the face. Like what the fuck is that? 
Like, what kind of jujitsu? You're mounted? You can't lean on the fucking jaw? Like, it's just bizarre to me. We would leave there every day. Not to, and I'm not trying to make it sound like I came from a tough fucking school. Because that was all jujitsu was back then. Every school was like that. But if you were on the bottom, you were getting leaned on, brother. I, was, I had the, the fortune of entering jujitsu when I was like 19. And it was much more softened significantly. But I was still overwhelmed like my first class i was brought there by one of my best friends ed burberich he, he's he was a brown belt at the time guy's black belt and he was the one that convinced me to do this and i remember from my first class i was he could set tell i was messed up because they had me roll right away and i was hyperventilating i was very disoriented and i it, he, he could tell that i was ready to never come back and so before I got in my car, he pulled me aside and he like grabbed my shoulder. And I, I'll never forget this. He looked at me and said, you'll learn to do this to somebody else. <laughs> and the way he laid it out for me, it's just like, you're feeling this right now and you'll get that power. You'll get to do this to other people, not in a malicious way, but you'll understand what's happening to you. It's all confusing. You're in a storm right now. You'll enter the eye of the storm and you'll understand and you'll be able to and live in that eye of the storm. This tunnel, you're going to end up on the other side with the ability that I possess. And I'll tell you, yeah. I, I, again, I don't say it to be macho because it, it honestly almost broke me so many times, like a grown man with trying to hold tears back in his eyes. That's what kind of, that's the links that they push me to. And I'm, I feel like a sissy even admitting it, but it, it, it happens to everybody. And unfortunately back then, I think the business model was so severe that a lot of people didn't stick it out, you know, because it was a lot of people did think this, fuck this, man, this is just, it's, it's absurd, but I'm so glad I, I get a, 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 a bigger portion of who I am today is due to the jujitsu man, larger than anything else in my life outside of family. But what, what it, it, it truly taught me to find comfort in discomfort. And I'm incredibly grateful for this martial art. I mean, talk a little bit about how talk about a little bit how that has carried over into your regular life because I think about that a lot. Like jujitsu, I started. I mean, I started back in two thousand nine, so like I was right before the right when that we were switching from a, from the old school into a more kinder, gentler jujitsu academy. But we were still like there was no intro programs. We just threw us on the mat and you got your ass kicked. If you quit, you quit. If you didn't, you didn't. But when I think about my jujitsu progress and going into to, to eventually becoming a black belt over the last 12 years, 13 years, like I think to myself that I have grown to a point to where I can learn those lessons and now apply them into my everyday life. Tell us a little bit about how you use that. Tell us a little bit about how you use that in like your acting and some of the other things that have, that, that have furthered your career. Well, I got to tell you, you know, everybody always talks about, you know, the, 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 the importance of adversity in life. Well, nothing will push you like a jujitsu mat. I don't give a fuck what what analogous situation it is to discomfort. Real discomfort is on the jujitsu mat. I don't care what kind of pressures metaphorically give you pain in real life. Real pain is on a jujitsu mat. And to go back to the sport versus old school thing, I will say this. There's a common thing of like, well, you know, sport jujitsu, it's for pussies. Let me tell you, the Mayo brothers would still fuck up any dude at a Chevron station. If anybody wants to say, oh, sport jujitsu, you'll get any sport jujitsu purple belt 
if, against an untrained person is I had to say that because you're a blue belt. You don't count. Yeah, you don't count. You don't count. Yet. You're close, <laughs> but you'll get there. Okay, no, no, no. Hang on, hang on. Not am, not belt. only am I just a blue belt with two black belts. I'm a blue belt with a multiple time Masters champion and Sean Patrick Flannery. So however bad you think it is, it's even worse. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, but sport jujitsu has 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 against an untrained opponent, man. It, it it's irrelevant. It, it's just you know, it, it's there, there's no there's no down talk on that whatsoever. It's just a very very different mission statement, and everybody has that mission statement. What are you looking to achieve? Do you want to accrue points? Do you want to IBJJF tournaments? Because you would be remiss if you trained fighting jujitsu. Let me tell you, when I when I dedicate two of my limbs to protect face and vital organs, I'm robbing my levers to upset your kazushi, your balance, by two levers. I have two arms, two legs. For the IBJJF guy, you're not worried about protecting your face. So you can do things like deep half guard because you're not worried about anybody punching your face. It's a different mission statement. And there's nothing wrong with that. But everybody should, when they start training, be very clear about what they're trying to achieve. What, what it does to my real life, outside of the adversity, I'll tell you, anytime you've been through that tunnel and out the other end, man, it changes the way you go to a job interview. I I, I, I hate to say this, but because it it, it it sounds so pompous, but you, you, you got to risk being made fun of to tell the truth. And there's something very comforting about being in a room and saying, "If shit went sideways, I could choke them all the fuck unconscious." There's something very very warm in your back pocket saying. And, and a legacy of something to give to my kids, knowing that they will never have to rely on the charity of the bully to not get their lunch money stolen. I would be, I would, it would be a bad, bad day for someone to kick sand in my son's face. It's like knowing, if I knew what I knew now in high school, it would have saved me so many problems. And it doesn't change in the acting world. You get your self-worth from a different area outside of simply waiting for the phone to ring. You know, if you're an actor and you don't have a secondary passion train, then all of your, your self-worth comes from that phone saying, hey, you got that job. If you, if you do something that occupies so much of your time that you don't have time to wait for the phone to ring, and you're getting your self-worth in something else, some other achievement that you take with you everywhere and every day of your life. I, I'm, I'm not joking when I say this. If somebody came to me right now and they said, hey, you know, back in the day, Hickson's Unlimited was 220 bucks a month. I think that's still expensive. Yeah. 220 bucks way back then. Yeah, that was back uh, in the so, so it's probably, it's probably the equivalent of 500 bucks today, right? In a month. Yeah. If somebody today... If somebody today came came to me right now and said the last 21 whatever years, unless you pay me a grand a month for all of those months you've been training and teaching, we're going to take it away from you. I'd find the money. I would find the money. I don't pick, pick a number, whatever it is, I would find it. That's how important it is to me. But I will tell you this. There are some films that I've done. That if somebody says, hey, every relationship you've made on that film and every a door that got opened because of this film, if you don't come up with X amount, there's some of the times I'd be like, eh, go ahead and take it. Jiu-Jitsu's not one of them. Now, granted, there are plenty of films that I wouldn't. I'd find the money to take it because I made some lifelong friends from, from and they changed, they changed my career. 
but there's nothing. There's nothing in the jujitsu world that I would exchange. Nothing. I I would love to to pause on there real quick because with the with the advent of you know you were doing this before there was a real way to show the world how you were doing it you know like before social media where you could take a after after practice like selfie with Hickson and everybody we've noticed a lot more like very public figures getting into jujitsu you know like like singers movie stars like I think Henry Cavill's like a one stripe white belt or something. Uh, are the, do you know of any other like big names in, in your industry that are doing jujitsu kind of behind, like low key behind the scenes? Well, first of all, I don't think low key behind the scenes is possible. One of the beautiful <laughs> things about this march, I, I don't, I think that's <laughs> bullshit. I don't think you can learn through privates. I think it's a fucking wank unless you have a guy that is doing everything in his power to hyper extend your arm with bad okay. intentions you will not learn how to escape correctly. I don't give a fuck. I, I teach Unless a lot of private lessons myself, and I do the same thing. When I have private lessons, it's like, hey, I will. I'm here to hold your hand, but at the end of the day, I am like, I'm your Sherpa leading you into the deep end to let you know that you're going to be fine. Because if I'm just teaching private lessons to you, there's not a world ever where I can recreate what a real life scenario is going to be like. Like I can murder you at any given moment I'd like to. I have to try to play the game. You have to have someone trying to harm you, trying to give you full full go. Or you're not getting the benefits of jiu-jitsu. That's what makes jiu-jitsu great. Sorry, go ahead. And, and also, you know, something that people don't talk about a lot is the adrenaline dump and the management of your emotions. When you go with your instructor, you know he's not going to pop your arm. You know he's not going to collapse your carotid artery past when that hand starts fluttering. When you clap hands with some other motherfucker from a different academy, all bets are off. There is a trust there. And you got to do things knowing, man, if he has me somewhere, I need to tap and tap quick. Managing your emotions and controlling that adrenaline dump and pairing it with making split accurate decisions under duress, that's part of the magic of jiu-jitsu that can be done on a repeatable basis. You can do it every single day at 100% with somebody combating you at 100%. And that's a wonderful thing that put positions this martial art different than others. You can't do striking at 100% every day. You'd die. You'd be concussed at the end of a year. You can pull punches. You can go for speed parring points. And you can bag up. But you can't throw a leg kick on somebody's knee with bad intentions every day for a month. You just can't. I, I think that that goes to show just how long, you know, to, to really understand those lessons, you've been, you have to have been doing this for a long time and have had multiple martial arts under your belt to really understand the difference. And I, I wanted to talk real quick just to push it back towards the movie a little bit. You've had the benefit of knowing, you know, some of like Hickson, you've known some of the best guys in the sport. And I feel like that's did you lean on any of those sources of information when you were making this movie? Like, did you hit up like Hickson, like, hey, I need your I need your like eyes on this, or I I I thought I saw that Henzo was involved in some way in the movie. Um, did, did you lean on any figures like that or was this mainly like your vision and you're qualified to see it through to the end? Yeah, no, not, not technically for any, any, anything like that. Like I said, by the time that we made the film, I wrote it in 07, we shot it in 2019. So we did it 12 years later. By the time we shot it, 2019, I was probably, yeah, I was already a third degree black belt. Um, not to say that. I don't need technical advice from right. Hickson. If the dude would have been there, I'd have been like, <laughs> what do you think? But um, so I didn't lean on anybody or, or ask for any favors like that. But I did put in a phone call 
you know, you know, there's people in your life that, you know, you, you find out who your true friends are when you ask a favor, you know, and I wrote a book in 2016 and I sent it to a lot of people to get blurbs, to get reviews, you know, one lines like, uh, and one of the first people to call me back and say, yeah, I'll read it was Henzo Gracie called me like that. And he wrote a, a, a very flattering blurb for the book. Same thing when, when I did this film, I put in a call and I said, man, I'd love for you to come out here and join us and do a, little, a part in this film. And he was on location within a week. Um, you know, when, when, when I, I can't say enough about Henzo, that, that, that is one of the most amazing human beings in this entire industry of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. If you can meet that guy for three seconds and not have an ear-to-ear -ear smile on your face, check for a pulse, brother. That that dude is is the essence of this martial art, That's top to I've bottom. Heard. That's what I've heard from, about. From its, from its heart, from its passion, to its extreme violence. That dude personifies BJJ. That's what everybody says. That's the general consensus on Henzo. One of the best guys in the sport. Everybody loves him. Bar none. So, you know, you know, I I appreciate you from someone that is in the jiu-jitsu community. Like I I appreciate this film more now hearing your points of view on it. The, the idea of getting back to, you know, the the root of what jiu-jitsu means and the fact that you did this as a passion piece of something to give back to the community cuz you know, obvious. We just spent, you know, an hour talking to you, listening to you talk about, you know, how much you love jiu-jitsu. Your passion for the art of jiu-jitsu is unmistakable. So, you know, when you created this movie, was there was a certain degree, was there a certain degree of I'm doing this to show the world how amazing jiu-jitsu is, to this is something I want to give back to the sport to show the people that are practicing jiu-jitsu what an amazing thing you're a part of and and, and how much it's influenced my life. You know, I, I'd love to tell you yes, but when I wrote this, still not a lot of people train jiu-jitsu. I wrote right. it in 07, thinking, you know, that, that I've got to wrap this up in a story that stands on its own outside of jiu-jitsu. And at my core, that's where my heart is, at least in the entertainment industry. My heart is not in telling jiu-jitsu stories. My heart is in telling stories and if I can include one arena to wrap that wonderful story in, it's got to be my favorite. The most punctuated area of my life is the jujitsu mat. So I hopefully I executed correctly in merging those two. But uh, if, if, if it was simply a jujitsu story, nobody would care. It's got to be a story that people care about that then I can throw it into the arena of something that I care about on a completely different level. Was there a certain Hopefully. degree of marketing involved in, in releasing the film at this point when jujitsu is obviously hitting a renaissance? I mean, I mean, there's we're at the point now where there's a jujitsu school on, on every corner. You can't throw a rock and not hit three jujitsu schools, especially in LA. They're all over the place. In California, they're all over the place. Was there a certain acknowledgement of that fact? Okay, now it's time to release this movie because not only is it something that I can love and enjoy, it's something that the media and the mass, the mass public or the masses will be able to appreciate because people know what jujitsu is and they recognize it to a certain degree. No, because you know, you know, uh, the, the, the company that bought the film, you know, once we completed it, uh, a, a lot of them, they, they bought it on the story. They, yeah. they, they didn't even know 
you know, the difference between karate and jujitsu. It's, yeah, it's uh, interesting. You know, I'm curious about that. It's interesting. So, yeah. so yeah. Sean, do you chop wood in this movie with your karate chops or what, what's the deal here? <laughs> so, 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 now, okay, so karate. Okay. Write karate movie down. <laughs> I, I, wax on, I wax off. Right. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times I try to explain to people that I do jujitsu and they just look at me and say, okay, no matter how many times I say it's not karate, they just go, oh, karate and they go yeah whatever i don't even i don't even yeah, have the exactly. conversation anymore with them when they say karate they go, yeah i do karate just leave me alone or how, about, how about how about the age-old uh oh my god so-and-so said you're a black belt yeah oh my god my cousin he's four he's a black belt too. Yeah, like, right, right. yeah yeah same thing same i don't thing. yeah i don't spend i don't waste the energy because you're gonna yeah. spend 20 minutes explaining it to him and they're still not going to be able to wrap their head around <laughs> the idea that their four-year-old their four-year-old niece or nephew is a black belt. Same, same shit exactly same shit yeah right back <laughs> That's cool. That's you it's good to know that Hollywood is just as clueless as uh, as the rest of as, as my my aunt and uncle are. So, <laughs> I mean, fun, fun well, fact. not all of them, not right. all of them, but you, right. you come into contact with people that are like, um, so is this the first karate movie you've ever done? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I still haven't done any karate movies, man. I, you know, <laughs> I I mean, it's I, I think that just goes to show that the sport definitely still has room to grow. You know, and I feel like like we're at the point where like everything being done now is like a, a brick, like found like part of the foundation that will lead to the sport being finally like way more mainstream. Cause we, it's grown so much, so many my, more people right now than have ever before are aware of what jujitsu is like even vaguely, you know? Uh, and I think one of the last things I wanted to like, just ask you about as someone who's been doing it since before it hit mainstream What's it been like seeing more of the mainstream in the pop culture adopt jujitsu and like MMA and seeing it go from like this weird thing on Spike TV that was two days away from getting canceled to, you know, ESPN, Disney bought it, you know, like, is there, is, is that a big shift for you or did you always know it was going to be this big? Well, I, you know, I don't think I'm an outlier. I think I happen to find it haphazardly even though if it i would have eventually found it but uh you know at jerry banks when i first met hickson it was probably earlier by a couple of years than it would have been if if i eventually met somebody and they said hey by the way there's one two blocks away but because of that i knew that that anybody that's like me that finds access to this and tries it is gonna fall in love with it they're gonna fall in love with it it's it it, it gives you a real world applicable skill to carry with you daily. It takes care of your aerobic, your anaerobic. If, if there is anything for longevity, I've never been a dude that can go to the gym and give me 10 more just for the sake of 10 more. But if you hide it within a chess game of jujitsu, I can do it for two hours straight. I can put my heart rate at 180 for an hour if it's, if it's locked in a game like that. So it, it was, it was kind of a, a, an interesting organic process to see it, kind of come into the mainstream and blossom and more and more people to find out about it. And, you know, to, for it to, to, to be welcomed with open arms, because now it is, it's kind of, it's on every fucking street corner, man. It is, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, it's it is a little bit, it is a little bit, you know, disconcerting whenever you, whenever you, 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 I, I get new students that are from out of town or something, and you get these new students that may, may have been training two or three years, 
And all they've done is ever start on their butt. Like they've gotten, they've gotten very good at a grain at a game that they don't have the ability to take there. And, and, and that I think is one of the downsides of it. You know, I understand there's a lot of injuries that go with the starting on your feet, but man, that's like learning how to handle a weapon, but nobody taught you to, to load it. You know, if, it's, if, uh, if, if you've never, uh, interacted with this guy before we we just had him on this uh, uh judo olympian also with a phd uh roddy ferguson uh one of, of the course. biggest yeah. yeah everyone's everyone's <laughs> roddy. Roddy. Why, also go check out that episode he's one of the biggest proponents of if you're not starting on your feet you're doing the game wrong you know unless you don't have legs you should be starting on your yeah. feet. yeah 100 100 and by the way, Rodney, to me, to me, it's like it's like leg locks. It's like, well, yeah, if you just introduce a leg lock to a brown belt that's only done IBJJF, they're going to get locked in it and not understand when to tap. But if you start leg locks from white belt, everybody's very aware of the danger. Nobody's going to go like, what? I had no idea that I was I just no, get the fuck out of here. A shoulder lock an Americana comes on like that. Now, maybe unwinding an arm lock and rotating the arm, you have plenty of time to wait for hyperextension, but there's plenty of locks that come on incredibly quickly. And if you wait until you're brown or black belt to learn how to defend those, man, I think you're doing yourself a, a huge disservice. And it's just like takedowns. It's, if, you, if you start from white belt, learning how to stand in base and execute and walk and step, always there's possibility for injuries happening. But if you only start at brown belt, then holy shit, man, you're going to get a D1 wrestler that comes into the academy and run your ass through the fucking wall. All right. So this ep- I'm going to include a trigger warning for all of our uh, listeners and viewers who are guard pulling butt scooters just because, you know, Sean Patrick Flannery is not having any of your shit right now. <laughs> you, you just get called out by, uh, by SP. Yeah, SPS. no, he's going to come to your house and, and du- double leg your ass. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Sean, I, I truly, I, I know I'm good on, on questions, Kev. I don't know if yeah, you, I, I, I had, I had this awesome interview, man. Like you're an awesome dude. Like I said, like it's undeniable your passion for the art of jujitsu. It's undeniable. Your roots come directly from the source. I'm really excited. I was really interested to hear your story. I'd like to hear you started training with, with Hicks and Gracie on day one and the stories around that are absolutely amazing. Uh, your pedigree is on top. Um, I'm very excited to see the movie because I know that it will, if it's any, if it has any, any piece of the amount of passion that I know you have for this sport introduced into the, sh- into the movie, it's going to be amazing. So I can't wait for it to come out and thank you very much for putting it out there. And thank you for being who you are, brother. So it's just a really awesome dude, man. Uh, brother, I appreciate it, man. And if, if, if you guys will do me a favor, man, drop me a line after you look at it. I'd love yeah, to man. hear your thoughts as yeah. as jujitsu guys, man. Yeah, no yeah, doubt, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, now, me, me and my two stripe blue belt, I'm really going to have a critical eye. <laughs> I'm going to look at this thing, and I'm going to I'm not going to be nice if it's bad, you know. Any any plans <laughs> for a release date or anything anything in the works? Any idea when it's going to start to come out, or we've got any any plans for for uh, for for viewing for anybody can see it? It comes out in select theaters a week from today, next Friday, January 22nd. And on that same day, you can stream it on demand, Apple TV. You know, the the industry is undergoing a transformation with the whole COVID crap. So it's coming to theaters and you can watch it in your house on the same day, January 22nd. I'll be the, 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 the day it comes out, I'll be watching that thing for sure. 
Yeah, and ah, one, brother, I appreciate it, man. And if once you know, and if once COVID lessens up, like, and there's a vaccine out there, and there's like a big Hollywood red carpet premiere, and you want to throw us some tickets to it, fine, <laughs> we'll take them. I guess That's already dressed for it. You know, so. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, Sean. Come on, just like, okay, we'll go. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You you you, you joke about it, brother, but <laughs> top on my list are my friends from from the map. My friends from the mat. That's my peer group, brother. Oh my god! Like, I gotta, I gotta look at my rolodex for like film friends. I'm like, <laughs> where's your, uh, where's your academy located at? Oh yeah, uh, my academy. Oddly enough, I'll show you guys a quick picture. Um, my academy right now is in Houston, Texas, and this. Is oh. in my backyard. Oh, Whoa! Awesome. You got the, the home. You got the home setup, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 on my property. So if you look at the website and it says in a secret location only disclosed to <laughs> students, that's you understand why. Because well, maybe maybe I can hit you up for a role next time I'm in the Houston Brother, area. Maybe if, if you are ever in Houston, please yeah. drop me a line, man. Like it's I said. Awesome, awesome and refreshing to see right. someone at your stage that's that's obviously doesn't have to do this shit. You know, you're an actor, you're a movie star, blah 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 blah. But you get on the mats and you get it done. It's just, it's a true testament to jujitsu, bro. I can't say enough good things about you, man. Well, man, I appreciate it, man. But I, I truly, a large part of my heart is on the jujitsu mat, and I'm not kidding. Most of my dearest, dearest friends are guys that I've clapped hands with and have tried to fucking murder me, and. uh I'm sure you guys are the same. So either one of you, if you're ever in Houston, please drop me a line, brother. Y'all have my contact info. I I just really quickly, if you ever do want to launch, you know, commercials for your gym, I'm just gonna make this my my audition for a voiceover role. Right. If you bunk, happen to have a in a, <laughs> in a bunker at the center of the earth, guarded by robots, <laughs> Sean Patrick Flannery is teaching those how to murder each other in their pajamas. <laughs> I also you wish to learn this, if you wish to learn this secret art, please sign up. So if I you ever want to hire me. In your way, uh, Sean, yeah, just because we're boys now. And so you're, you know, I'm fucking yeah, John, if you want to read my screenplay. <laughs> I, now that we bring it up, I actually have a screenplay. That, uh, you might be interested in. Maybe you can find a spot for it. It's called The Gallagher <laughs> Files. It showcases me right, killing right. Martians on the moon with my, my clothes. It's just, it's just Kevin following me around with his phone filming me all day. Exactly. Right. Done. <laughs> Done. Oh man. All right. Well, well, Sean, thank you so much for, for joining us here today. If there's anything you would like to plug that you, you missed, uh, missed, uh, in that little brief excursion and you want to get the word out about anything else you have going on, the floor is yours. Uh, you can just give you right there. You know, uh, you can, uh, contact me through Facebook. If you're ever in Houston, uh, if you guys want to drop by to train, I'm not kidding. Uh, it happens all the time. People reach out, you know, simple students, other instructors. Uh, I have an open door policy for people who I, you know, vet on the internet. If you're a jujitsu guy, we're kind of cut from the same cloth already. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, SP Flannery. Uh, I hope, and please, if, if all of you, if, if jujitsu guys out there see the film, I'd love your feedback. Shoot me a Facebook message or an Instagram message. Uh, I, I, Whatever, despite all the crazy stories you hear about actors, the only person that operates my Facebook is me. The only person that operates my Instagram is me. Uh, please reach out and let me know what you think. I also wrote a book uh, in 2016 called Jane 2 that uh, 
I wanted, in case a boulder ever fell on my head, I wanted to have everything written down that I could give to my kids. And it's in that book. Uh, same thing. If you happen to give that a read, reach out to me and let me know what you think. Uh, but in closing, thank you guys, the jujitsu community for giving me a large portion of the love that I have extracted out of my life so far. And I don't say that lightly. And I hope you take this film as the true love letter that it is. And I, from my heart, I hope you guys enjoy it. All right. Once again, that is Born a Champion hitting uh, multiple different platforms in about a week. This episode will be going up, uh, and I'm, I'm sure about it this time, the day after it's recorded. So all the information will be uh, accurate, and you can go and run, don't walk, to go check it out. Because truthfully, this thing looks like it is a labor of love of the highest order. And anyone that's ever thrown on a gi or thrown on a rash guard, you're going to take something away from this thing. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And Sean, we cannot thank you enough for your, your time, your passion and your insights. And thank you for helping this, you know, this community grow, you know, the, everything leads into something, you know, some kid's going to see this and then maybe he'll be ADCC champion one day. He'll be choking out a very old Gordon Ryan uh, <laughs> and he'll have you to thank for that. So yeah, yeah, once exactly. Again, once again, thank you very much for your time. And we'd love to have you back at, for the, for born a champ, uh, born a champion too. Uh, <laughs> anytime uh, guys, anytime. Thank you all for the all time right. as well. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I think that is a great place to call it on this episode of the jujitsu times podcast. Thank you for listening and watching. I have been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher, and superstar A-list guest, Mr. Sean Patrick Flannery. Again, born a champion. Go check it out. Uh, everybody out there? B-list. A-list. Uh, A-list for this show. You're not on <laughs> news right now, okay? This is like, this is crazy for us. <laughs> I, I wore a suit, damn it. Um, for everybody out there, uh, we're coming towards what I hope to be the end of COVID. And if you've been kept off the mats, we're, we're almost there to full uh, revving back up. So get ready to start training again. But uh, as always, if you can't train, reach out to your loved ones, try and support your local gyms. It's very important because we all want a place to go back to once all this is over and you want to check in on your teammates. You know, it's a rough time for everybody. So this has been, uh, this is the end of the episode. I'm rambling cause I'm nervous cause Sean Patrick Flannery is here. And uh, I'm just going to call it. So thank you, everybody, for your time. And uh, have a good night.